Hello and welcome to the Next in Line podcast where we are helping to prepare you for whatever is next in line. As always, I'm your host, Chance Pitts, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Guys and gals, welcome into another episode of the podcast. This will be a recap of our most recent race, the Brazos Bend 50. Uh, went out there and ran the 50-miler. This will be a solo episode because plan on getting together with some of the different racers and people that were out there at the event with us um, and talking about it and just going through the experience for them. Uh, but this will be my personal recap of the race. But before we get too far into that, guys, I want to take care of the housekeeping. If you receive value from this episode or any other episode of the Next in Line podcast, I would ask that you share the show with like-minded individuals who could receive the same kind of value. That's the number one way for us to grow and to reach a larger audience and, in effect, help more people. Another way you can help us do that, guys, is by liking, commenting, subscribing, rating, or reviewing on whatever platform you find yourself watching on, if it's a possibility. Um, I know each one has a little bit different interface and a little bit different uh, opportunities for you to interact, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or even Bullhorn, or some of the newer ones we're on. Um, So if you're listening there, guys, just do whatever you can there to help us get pushed up a little bit higher in that search uh, whenever people start looking for personal development and self-help type shows. Now that we've got that out of the way, guys, um, if you follow us on social media, that's at Next in Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, you saw that we had an awesome outing out at Brazos Bend 50. You also probably saw that we have officially completed 75 hard. Now, a good large group of us plan to do Brazos Bend 50 as a follow-up to 75 hard, as a celebration, if you will, of the progress that we've made over the past 75 days. Um, And it was exactly that. For a lot of people, this is, a lot of people in this group, um, this is the first time they committed to a program like this for an extended period of time. The first time they've really tried to grasp and get full control over their lives, uh, their progress, their physical health, whatever you want to call it, whatever they received out of the 75 hard. So it's really cool to see that, but not only that, it was cool to see all the firsts at the Brazos Bend 50. Now, with that being said, I'd like to talk about a few people that were out there at the race with us. Mr. Mark Wilmoth, who was out there running his first 5K I think it was his first race ever as well. Miss Sarah Ruiz, now Barnes, I should say, um, who completed her first 10K. Miss Bree, that completed her first 25K. Mr. Michael Ruiz, who joined the Ultra Marathon Club and completed his first 50K. Same thing with Mr. Kyle Rogers, who completed his first 50K and joined that Ultra Running Club. And then for Mr. Chris Barnes, who ran his first 50 miler pushing the limits beyond anything he's done before as well i also completed my first 50 miler out there Um, i know i've ran other races that were longer in length however that was my first official sanctioned 50 miler so it was an awesome awesome experience out there i know everyone had a great time um, and we had some great support out there as well. My dad, Mr. Billy Pitts, came down there and ran the 5K with Mr. Mark Wilmoth. Um, and he was awesome as a supporting crew member as well out there, making sure everybody had what they had what they needed. Uh, but also there's showing a large amount of support and encouragement for everyone out there. 
And along those same lines, guys, with the crew and the support, uh, a huge shout-out to Mr. Lane Divin and Mr. Dalton Barnes who were out there uh, who helped support racers and keep everybody's spirits up as they came around the course. Um, and I know Mr. Lane Divin's getting pretty seasoned with that, and he's uh, doing really well in that crew chief seat at these ultra marathons since he's been at so many with us. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him back on the trail as well, competing in his own events. Um, and also in the uh, gym getting ready for some of his other events that we'll talk about later on. But guys, it was an awesome and amazing weekend with some of the best people uh, I could have asked to be around in that time. And I'm just forever thankful that we've had an opportunity to work with those individuals and be around them. Um, there was a couple that couldn't make it out there cause they had other engagements and that's perfectly fine. Uh, we missed the heck out of them, but very, very excited to celebrate this 75 hard and this race journey with everyone that was involved. Like I said, guys, we're going to do a recap today, now that we're getting into the meat of it, of the Brazos Bend 50. And this is a solo podcast. Uh, this is just me talking about my race. We'll get together with the other crew members um, and other racers, and we'll push out a podcast so uh, we can get the experiences from a lot of these people that haven't ever done anything like this before. We had several people who had not ran a race, um, several people that had not done an ultra marathon uh, that decided to take on something crazy. So it'll be really cool to hear from them, but I don't want to take away from that. So I want to do my own little solo breakdown right here, right now. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice that I have a next in line development t-shirt on. So these are shirts that are not for sale. Uh, this is not going to be something that I offer to other people to buy. This is something that you get whenever you go through a process of doing something, training for something, and completing uh, something very hard. Setting a goal for yourself and just striving for that and really trying to become a better version of yourself in the process. And everyone who has one of these shirts currently has done that. Uh, I got a few more left to give out to people uh, following this race, but for the most part, most of these shirts have been given out. Um, I'll be reaching out to some of y'all here in a little while for the rest of them. But without further ado, let's dive into the race. So for first and foremost, I should say, training. Uh, I felt like I was very undertrained for this race, very underprepared. Um, in a lot of ways, and that was due to a shorter training period, um, but also a very busy schedule and getting sick for a few days at a time, at least two times during this training schedule. Um, I fought through strep and a couple of other things, uh, including sinus infections and other issues that kept me from running as much as I want to. I think I averaged five to six miles a day on for most of my weekdays um, and then stretched out the weekends as far as I could. I had, I think, a 12-miler, a 15-miler, and a 20-miler as my training runs for this race. Um, so some good solid long runs in there, but really not the volume that I hope to hit before a race like this. Um, so that's kind of where the training ended up. But getting into the actual meat of the event, um, the pace that we were able to maintain was actually pretty solid. I was able to maintain a 10.04 minute mile pace for the duration of the 50 mile race. Um, it was a really kind of surprising thing to get out there and be able to do that. Um, but <clears throat> nonetheless, I think some of the experience from last year and some of the other uh, factors with this being a flat course, um, and honestly not very 
technical terrain. Uh, probably played in some roles in there. I was like also able to uh, to be a little more mentally tough than I have been in the past in some of my races. Um, but we'll dive further into that later. Placement wise, I don't know fully what place I ended up at because they're still figuring out the results over on uh, trail racing over to Texas. But I was told by the race directors I'm somewhere in the top five. Um, not sure what that looks like. Right now they got me ranked at second overall and first in my age division, but I think that is going to change. So I'll post on social media and get y'all updated with that. The last thing I want to touch on in the initial part of this is we did have a little competition. If you remember that podcast with Mr. Chris Barnes, um, and I was able to beat him out there at Brazos Bend 50 this time around. Um, he had some trouble getting his heart rate down, um, and decided to address that rather than try to uh, run me down, which honestly I think he'd be pretty capable of doing. Um, but I was able to best him in this competition, although he, for the first 50 miler he has ever done and stretching 19 miles further than any race he's done so far, um, he did a phenomenal job. He's a 230 pound guy that has a ton of muscle on him and he is out there running with the best of us. Uh, he is getting out there and putting up numbers that no guy his size should be able to do. There's an ongoing joke about him being part Clydesdale uh, just because of his size out there running with a bunch of quarter horses, but uh, just super proud of him and what he did. Um, But with that being said, I did take the reins of that competition and run off with it. So there you go. That's the only thing I'll say about it, Chris. Then moving on, guys, to course conditions of this race. This course, like I said, is flat. Uh, They talk about only having 10 foot of elevation in the entire course. I think it ended up being, by the time you go around several times, about 350 foot of elevation gain and loss on this course. So super, super flat down in southeast Texas. But where you have the flatness, you also bring along heat and humidity. It was 85 degrees and super humid out there running in the swamp with the gators this time around at Brazos Bend State Park. It was something that uh, that I endured last year and had a little bit of experience with, but really after moving over here to San Antonio with a dry heat, there's no way to prepare yourself for what that race was. So course conditions, it was hot. It was very, very humid, um, and that heat took a toll on you going into lap two and lap three especially, uh, being a little cooler in that first initial lap. But other than that, the course was dry. It was well-maintained, of course, by the park down there. They do a great job of that. Uh, I thought the markings were pretty good. We did have someone switch an arrow on the course at some time, so that's kind of a pain in the ass. And uh, whoever did that, man, karma's going to get you, but hey, whatever. Um, But that's kind of the course conditions, guys. It's flat, fast humid and hot, um, and it's a grind. There's not a whole lot of technical factors. There's not a whole lot of change in scenery to take your mind off of things, but you get out there and you run this race uh, hard, and a lot of people run it very fast. So moving on from that, getting into things, as we towed the line and got things rolling, um, me and Chris Barnes started out together. He didn't have a headlamp out there, so he kind of used me as his guide out there running through the first little bit. You start out with a 5K loop on this race. Um, you come back from that, and you start on the bigger loop, which is 15.5 miles um, running out there covering about three to four aid stations uh, worth of stops as well along the way, but... It's a 
like I said, gravel path, it's flat. Um, during the daylight, it's a little bit more scenery and that kind of thing. And some cool sites out there. It's very uh, nature-oriented. Uh, like I said, there's a ton of gators. We saw three or four of them. But the, uh, the first lap was part of it in the dark. Um, and I think by the time we got to mile seven or so, we were kicking off the headlamps and everybody was able to see pretty clearly. So it was really, really nice in that regard as to whenever you don't know where you're going um, or what you're looking at, you kind of just forget about it and go out there and run. And that's what we did for the first lap. Um, me and Chris Barnes both fought the uh, heart rate elevation going on in that first lap kept things in the 160s for a long time and that's not a good place to be whenever you're trying to run long distance but hey we were there um i was able to kind of keep it reined in over there but around mile 10 or 12 uh, that's when barnes decided to slow it down a little bit and try to get his heart rate down um so he tailed off just a little bit and that's where we just kind of tried to keep things consistent and keep pushing on through. But that first lap was definitely one where the excitement was going on, the nerves were going crazy, and I was really trying to find a zone to slip into and didn't do so until into the latter part of that lap. Um, I was able to maintain about a 10-minute mile pace through that first lap, uh, maybe a little bit quicker than that, actually. Um, but moved through it, kind of got the layout of things, but even more so whenever the light was up going into lap two, we really understood the layout of what this race was. Uh, looping through Brazos Bend State Park, all around the lakes, on the trails they had there. It's a race course that, like I said, I was familiar with from last year, but the, uh, the course is one that is a lot of fun to run and a lot of uh, cool things to see out there. Like I said, there's a lot of different birds. We saw several alligators out there. Um, and then just the nature of everything. It's, it's a neat place to go out there and run. And as we got into the second lap, we started to really get the layout of things and re-familiarize as the sun came up. And it was enjoyable. It was cool to see everything. I was still in a decent zone where it was just kind of reminding myself to grind and push forward and stay present in the moment, not drift off, not start thinking about the end or looking at the place I was trying to go rather than how I was trying to get there, if that makes sense. I had to make sure that I was focusing on one step at a time, uh, how I eat that elephant one bite at a time, just like that, guys, because it's really easy to get in your own head and really kind of mess yourself up whenever you look at the end goal and how far away that is. So, Whenever I was able to stay present, figure things out, that's whenever the heart rate was able to level off just a little bit. Um, I did have a couple spikes in there whenever I was battling that. I think I got up to 176 at one point, which was crazy. Um, but I slowed it off, backed off just a little bit, and, uh, and drove it down back into the low 160s. And honestly, it stayed there for most of that race. But uh, following up on the aid stations I mentioned earlier, there's about four aid stations uh, on the map. You catch one at somewhere somewhere in the four-mile range um, and then somewhere back up towards like the 11-mile range. Um, and then you catch, I'm sorry, uh, you catch one at probably the 8, 11, and 14-mile range, somewhere in there. Um, you run a long stretch out on this trail and on this track that gets really hot and by the second loop it was getting really hot uh, out there but this long trail that's an out and back was 
a mixture of asphalt and white rock with very minimal shade. So the sun's just beating down on you. However, there's sets of trees on both sides of you. So there's a wind block essentially, and it's really easy to get out there and get very overheated. Um, and even if you're not overheated and physically suffering from that, um, it's really easy to feel that heat and let it become something mentally that weighs on you and brings you down and kind of pushes you off your game. So that is one of the places I saw most people, including myself, struggle with. Uh, that's actually whenever we got out there, that's where Chris started to slow down just a little bit and get his heart rate down. Um, but one cool thing about it is by that second loop, I was seeing all of our awesome people out there. I ran into um, Bree. I ran into Sarah. I ran into Kyle multiple times out there, Michael multiple times. And it was really cool to have all of those different people around. Like I said, I ran with Chris for a long time, and then we saw each other multiple times on the laps as well. Um, so it was really enjoyable, and it was a nice mental break. Um, but as I was out there and getting into the latter parts of lap two, I really started to have to zone in, like I said, and stay present. And one thing that Chris and I actually talked about, and we'll probably cover this at another time as well, but whenever you're out there on the trails, one thing I like to do to kind of get back in the zone and figure out that I guess figure out a better mindset about how you're feeling out there and what you need to be doing is that I like to hit the gratitude button. And what that means is I like to start to think about everything that I'm thankful for and the opportunities I have to be out there. You know, I was able to get out there and be healthy enough to run this race. I've got a crew of people that are out there running it with me um, and trying to better themselves. And I'm super thankful for that. I've got good shoes on my feet that I was able to buy because I've got a job that allows me to do that. I've got a, a baby girl on the way in July uh, that I'm super excited for, and hopefully I can instill some some values that I've learned throughout these different personal development journeys I've gone on, but also these ultra marathons that I've partaken in as part of that de development journey. But there, you just kind of go through all these options and you get further and further into it and you can dive as deep as you want to. But I really focused on it and made sure I listed out a lot of things and I hit that gratitude button. But then I also tried to encourage others because I think there's a lot of strength in helping others reach their full potential. I mean, that's the point of this whole movement here. But uh, what I did whenever I was out there on the course is every person that I passed, and yes, I sounded like a broken record out there, but every person that I passed, I tried to tell them, good job, keep up the good work, keep pushing. And whenever that came kind of bland to me, I guess would be a good word. Whenever it started to feel like that really wasn't checking the box, it wasn't getting the job done on the gratitude side of things and the encouragement side. I started to try to be very particular about the compliments I paid people. If I like somebody's shorts or if I like somebody's hat or if I saw somebody with the same running vest as me or the same shoes, I would comment on that and I would tell them, hey, I like your, I like your shirt. Hey, that BPN hat, I really like that. Hey, those are some cool shorts. They got an awesome pattern on them. If he's got like a flag or, or whatever, Texas flag or American flag. Uh, but I just tried to be very intentional with everything I was doing. And that started during that second lap. Um, and I think that's probably something that helped my heart rate kind of level off too, because I took my mind off of that um, and just eased up in my whole presence. But I will say with the heat and all the craziness going on by lap three, it was a absolute grind. Uh, it was getting very hot. I was overheated at times. I was worried about my hydration. Um, and I was really starting to feel the, uh, 
the results of kind of my little bit lack of training. My legs were getting sore and, and I was starting to feel a little bit fatigued, to be honest with you. So a few things that happened coming out uh, of lap two, stopping at the aid station back with my entire crew and all of my supplies. Uh, before I started on lap three, I grabbed a few different things. I grabbed my hat because I was uh, wearing just a regular hat, but I grabbed my big floppy hat with all the shade on the back so that I could keep the sun off me a little bit more. I grabbed my sunglasses because I hadn't had them at that point, and it was bright with all the light reflecting off of the asphalt, reflecting off of the water, uh, and reflecting off of just the, the rock trail that we were on as well. And then lastly, though my phone was close to dead, I grabbed my AirPods because I knew a little bit of music, uh, throwing it on Matchbox 20 radio on Spotify would give me a little bit of distraction. Uh, it helped me find a rhythm, find a little bit of uh, opportunity to get myself in sync and, and maybe my mind off of running. Um, and then I also, uh, at the urging of Lane Divin and my dad, um, grabbed some caffeine. I grabbed a gel that had some caffeine in it. I like to use the spring gels. This was called Speed Nut. Um, and then I also grabbed caffeine strips that my dad had brought as well, uh, which turned out to be an awesome item to have out there. So I gathered all of these things, uh, tried to follow that gratitude plan again, tell everybody around me that I was, thank you. Thank you for helping me out. Thank you for being here. Um, and once I did that with my entire crew, I wanted to start strong into the third lap. So I ran out of the aid station um, and got back on the trail. And the little bit of distraction, a little bit of changes between the glasses, the hat, and especially that music and some kind of rhythm to go to, I found myself falling into a pattern. I found myself falling into that rhythm and being able to push through a lot of the different things that were bothering me at that point. Um, and those different things were I started to kind of get behind on my nutrition. I tried to stay very ahead of that this time, but I could feel I was kind of on the edge and needed to add some in. I was also fighting hydration, like I mentioned, uh, with all the heat and humidity out there and sweating as much as we did. Um, and then just the general fatigue and the, uh, the human brain telling me that, hey, maybe it's time you backed off of this. Maybe it's time you stopped running. Give yourself a little bit of a break. Um, but on that third lap, I really just tried to put the hammer down. And as I got to the late part of the loop, uh, that part with the long out and back where the sun just beats down on you, reflects off of those rocks and asphalt, and it's just hot with no breeze, that's when I really found myself bargaining with myself. And what I mean by that is there comes a point in ultra running whenever you get to some of these longer distances that you typically decide at some point you need to walk. And I was bargaining with myself in the same way that I always do. And a, a big way that I did last year during this race, which was, hey, you're at a rough point. You've done a great job up to this point. You've, you've surprised yourself and probably everyone else at this point. But why don't you run a mile and then walk a quarter mile and then run a mile and walk a quarter mile and give your legs a break. And I found myself getting ready to do that. But then as I was running, I would get to the end of that mile and I'd say, you feel no worse than you did whenever you made that deal with yourself. So why would you stop now? Why don't you just keep going and see how you feel in a mile? And as I ticked away at these miles going down this trail, I didn't feel any worse. So I just kept on running, kept on trying to push myself. And 
it allowed me to really make up some ground out there towards the end of this race. And then I finally convinced myself to give myself a little bit of a break. I said, look, it's a mile to the next aid station. Walk a quarter mile and then start running. And in three quarters of a mile, you'll hit the aid station and you'll be good to go. Well, there was a little bit of a happy surprise there because I walked a quarter mile, started running again, and rounded a bend, and less than a quarter mile later, I was at the aid station. So I had done some bad math uh, on my part, but it was a happy little surprise that allowed me to put myself in a spot where I was a lot closer to the end than I expected to be. And that's hardly ever the case in one of these races. But what that did is it gave me a little bit of a mental edge um, and I didn't have to bargain with myself anymore. I knew that with the four and a half miles back up to base camp to the start finish line um, and to completing the 50 miles with only 4.5 miles, I could make myself push that I could endure. That's less than an hour. I probably 45 minutes or so at my current pace. I could make it happen. So that was a nice little happy surprise. And I really did. I pushed out that last little bit running at 930 mile pace to about 1015 for most of it. I hit the last aid station, which was a mile from the finish line. Um, I know that's kind of an interesting choice there with only a mile left to go to hit an aid station. But with as hot as it was, I wanted to make sure I had all the water and put some ice in my pack so I can cool down just a little bit so that I could push through this last little bit. And it turned out to be a good decision because I was really able to hone in and push and drive. And my last mile ended up being one of my fastest at 910, I believe it was. Um, so I came across the finish line feeling good, actually, feeling encouraged and running strong. And it was an awesome experience. I got to join up with all of the great people that had already finished their races prior to me. Um, then I also got to cheer on a couple of more as they finished up and came across the finish line. And it was just honestly a very feeling uh, very filling experience. I mean, I, I genuinely enjoyed every minute of it. All of the people that we found ourselves surrounded by had common goals, had a sense of accomplishment, had worked hard and trained hard to do something genuinely tough that would put them on a path to a better version of themselves. It would give them some self-confidence with whatever situation they might end up dealing with in life. And for them to walk away with that and have that as they started and continued down these personal development journeys that they're all on seemed an amazing thing to me because this next in line movement was able to be a small part of that in some kind of way. And that's just the coolest thing in the world to me. And because of that, showing off a little bit of hardware, but I have the Brazos Ben 50 finisher buckle here. Uh, the race director actually made these in his garage, uh, which was pretty cool. They turned out awesome. Um, but in one of the previous episodes, somebody asked me what my favorite buckle was. And I will say this is my new favorite buckle because it's not the longest distance I've gone. It's not the hardest fought race. Um, it's not the best placement I've ever had in a race, but it's the most meaningful because so many people came together to accomplish a truly tough thing to put themselves through a challenge, a situation that took a lot of grit and determination to get through. And everybody was able to celebrate that with the completion of their race, with the completion of 75 hard. And that was all culminated at this race 
the Brazos Bend 50. And that's so cool to me to be a part of that. And also along with the buckle, of course, we got the race shirt, which turned out really awesome this year. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I just showed it there. Um, if you're watching on the other podcast, it's probably a dead moment, but hey, it's all good. But all in all, guys, really enjoyed this race, loved every minute of it, and walked away with just kind of a, a new sense of pride in the group of individuals I surround myself with. We talk about it so much that if you surround yourself with five good people, you'll be the sixth. If you surround yourself with five bad people, you'll be the sixth. And we definitely had some good and inspiring and dedicated people uh, fighting the fight out there at Brazos Bend 50 this past weekend. Now, along with that, guys, I had a few different questions I wanted to run through and I wanted to work on. Um, so bear with me. I'll give you all the answers. I've used kind of the generic list of questions that we've had asked several different times after these races. I wasn't able to put out the Q&A this time, but I think this will answer most of the typical questions that we get. First and foremost, how much did I walk? In this 50-mile race, I actually walked less than a mile. Uh, checking the walk time at the end of the race on our watches, because Garmin's got some pretty cool features like that, um, I think I walked for about 14 minutes, which included that quarter mile that I convinced myself uh, to walk going into the, one of the last aid stations on the final loop. Um, there was a couple of hills with 10 foot of elevation or so uh, that I just... I knew it would be a nice little rest reward if I could make myself walk up them um, and then take off as soon as I got to the top. And then coming out of aid stations, whenever I was eating food, um, I would also keep moving and eat food while I walked. So that's where that walking came from over those 50 miles. Next, what are some differences between this year and last year as a runner? I know I mentioned my previous experience at Brazos Bend. I ran the 100K last year whenever there was a 100K at Brazos Bend. Uh, that's 62 miles roughly. And there were truly a lot of differences. One was just the confidence that I had as a runner. I've been through a lot more races. I've been through a lot more situations. Um, and I've had to dig deeper than I've ever had before in the past year. So going into a race like this with that kind of experience and the know-how and the understanding that you're going to get through this, you just have to make yourself do it right now. Um, and understanding how sweet the reward is at the end of the race, um, that gave me a mental edge in a lot of ways over what I had last year whenever I came into this race. Next, I also knew that Walking was a very slippery slope. Whenever I was bargaining with myself, I understood that whenever you start walking, whenever you start allowing yourself to compromise and move away from the bigger plan and the things that you had set for yourself and the agreements that you had previous ma previously made, like, I'm going to try to run this entire race. Whenever you step away from that, it's a lot easier to keep breaking promises and keep making compromises, and you'll find yourself walking more and more. You'll find yourself taking a break more and more, maybe even sitting down and resting more and more. So that was something I knew going into it as well that made this race a lot easier. Also, managing the pain and different things, I knew to bring Tylenol. You, typically, whenever you start this thing out, that's not something you think about. But having a little bit of pain relief whenever all your muscles and joints are aching, Tylenol is a great thing. Also, having experience enough to know that dealing with the heat means that you need a big floppy hat. Means that you mean, needs a, 
means that you need to bring sunglasses. You need to pack your uh, running vest, the hydration pack in the back of it, with as much ice as you can at aid stations so that you can have a nice group of ice on your back keeping your core cooled down and helping you weather the storm of the heat just a little bit better. So there's a lot of things that made this race a lot different than last year. I had good results at both races, um, but I believe that this year, if I would have had the adequate training um, and maybe been in a little bit more of the running shape, I'm also about 15 to 17 pounds heavier than I was last year. Um, if I would have had all of those things firing on all cylinders, then who knows? I could have put up probably a lot better time this year, but I am very proud of the effort I was able to go out and do this time around. What was the most surprising part of the race for you? I think that the most surprising part for me was whenever I got out there, I was very surprised at how good I felt. Uh, with the short training run, I expected to fall off. I expected to have some muscle issues, some joint issues. Um, I expected there to be a really a very dark spot where I really had to convince myself to keep going. And that just genuinely wasn't the case. Um, it got a little dark. I did hit some walls, but there wasn't ever a point where I felt like I could not advance. I didn't ever hit a point where I felt like I wasn't going to finish or anything like that. I just kept pushing and kept making myself do more because I understood that I could do more. Next, blisters and chafing. I did not get any blisters from this race, knock on wood, and I'll probably jinx myself for the rest of my life by saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not somebody who's necessarily super prone to blisters. I make sure I have shoes that fit appropriately, and I make sure that I wear like Injinji toe socks that are medium weights. They're a little bit thicker. They give some padding. They separate all my toes so none of them rub, um, and typically I'll also use some kind of lubricant or... Um, gel to put across your feet um, that also create an extra layer of protection on there like salty britches, body glide, uh, squirrels nut butter, whatever it might be. Something that'll help eliminate that opportunity to for blisters to come from the friction and the rubbing in the shoes. Chafing, chafing was something I did experience. I had chafing under my arms over here, kind of my armpit area, my, more so on my back from my hydration vest. I also had a little bit of chafing um, around my butt and in my groin area from uh, just the amount of sweating and the salt um, and all the moisture that had going on. Um, but other than that, chafing was minimal and that was something that I was very fortunate not to be fighting like crazy. I know I've had a few other ultra marathon experiences where it has not been the case and the chafing has been over the course of time kind of unbearable in some ways, but we were able to push through it. So blisters and chafing, not a crazy big factor in this race. Next, moving on to was your hydration and fueling going according to plan? Yes, uh, I was very proud of how I was able to stay up on both hydration and nutrition. I know I mentioned it a couple of times, but hydration was huge out here with the amount of sweat loss. Uh, I was taking salt tablets to replenish some of my salts. Um, I was drinking Ultraformance by First Form, which has electrolytes and carbs in it, so it helped me maintain my nutrition and my electrolytes. But then I was also drinking a ton of water, guys. 
making sure I stayed hydrated. I was worried at one point because I stopped sweating um, and I really didn't have to pee a whole lot during this race. So that's usually a bad sign. But I was able to get a handle on things, get back into where I was trying to be at um, and keep up with my hydration. My nutrition side of things, I started eating very early on the race. I stopped at every single aid station and grabbed something to eat. I also carried spring gels with me. Uh, they're about 180 calories, so a little bit heavier. Like I said, I drank Ultraformance, um, two of those per lap. So that comes out to about 100 calories an hour or so from that. But I was also eating Pringles out on the trail. I was eating bananas. Um, I had a couple of Chips Ahoy cookies. Um, and then just some other various snacks that had a little bit of carbs to them, uh, but also just a little bit of sustenance that was easy for me to get down as well, because that's something very important. Now, not to talk bad about any companies or anything like that, um, but man, that spring gel I had, uh, the speed nut was not something that I enjoyed choking down late in the race. The awesome sauce that I run with is awesome. I mean, it's named appropriately. It's basically like drinking applesauce uh, out of a packet with 180 calories worth of value. It's super, super good for trying to sustain your nutrition out there. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed every time I have, but under that same spring brand, that speed nut that had the caffeine that I really wanted to get out there as well, um, and get some of that little extra pickup in the last lap, it was a fight to get it down. The, the texture was a little bit off for me. I'm a big texture person, so it threw me for a loop. But, hey, we choked it down, and honestly, regardless of the taste, it did phenomenal as both a fuel for nutrition and as a caffeine boost. I definitely felt the difference from it, uh, but just not my favorite flavor or texture to have to deal with out there. With that, um, while we're talking about the caffeine, I used uh, Revy's caffeine strips. I hit one of those whenever I was at the last aid station coming in, and I hit the uh, the Speed Nut by Spring, which had a little bit of caffeine on it, um, headed out to that last aid station. Those are both about 3.5-mile stretches out there and then about 4.5 back. Uh, you never want to do too much caffeine at one time because you can really upset your stomach out there and give yourself stomach issues, but... Both of those seemed to digest easy. They hit my system fast, and they were able to give me the boost that I needed to keep going. Next question is, did any body part bother you during the race? I did start to have a little bit of hip um, tightness and a little bit of issues with that, but it wasn't something that really got me too bad. Um, I honestly genuinely felt pretty good during this race. It was very surprising. It was something I wasn't totally used to. Um, it was something that, um, with the short training schedule was really unexpected, but Hey, I will take it. Um, like I said, my hips gave me a little bit of trouble and my left ankles, uh, kind of a, uh, culprit that always rears his head up in some form or fashion during the race. So it was a little bit tight, um, a little bit of pain there, a little bit of tension, but not enough to really caused me any grief or true issue out there. Um, and the Tylenol combated that pretty well, in my opinion. Next, which loop was the toughest? I think pretty easily the last loop um, leading out to the last aid station uh, was really tough. So going out there, you know it's just a, kind of a suck fest. It's hot, it's humid, no wind 
and that long stretch, it, it just gets me both years that I've ran. It has been a pain for me. It has been a spot where I did not enjoy being at. Um, and for that reason, that third loop, whenever I was hot and already going through it and had to go back out there to it, that's where it really hit me and started to be tough. Now, along with that, um, not to sound cocky or conceited in any way, but whenever you feel good, and I did feel pretty good on that last loop, whenever you feel good and there's people that you know are in the same division as you running the same race, um, and you start passing a few of people, you start to gain some confidence. So I started passing a couple people in the second lap and into the third lap as well. And not that I want to see anybody not do well, but I want to see myself do the best as possible or the, the best possible, um, and have the best outcome that I can. So whenever I started passing people, it started to build some momentum, started to help me gain confidence and it started to make me feel good because I knew I had more left in the tank and I knew that there were some people out there really, really struggling. So, um, as you naturally compare yourself like humans do, I felt like I had an upper hand in some situations and it helped push me along. So though the toughest loop was the last loop, I felt like it really pushed me in a way that the other loops didn't. It, it pushed me forward and kept my pace consistent and allowed me to make up some ground on other people that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Next on the list of question guys and last is how do you feel after 24 hours? So we're officially 24 hours after the race right now. And I was telling a couple of people, my wife included earlier that genuinely, and I'm not just saying this genuinely, I feel like I could go run right now. I feel like I could go knock out five miles and be a little bit tender, but It'd be just fine. I don't know what pace I'd be at, but um, I have never felt this okay after a race, which really makes me feel like I might be turning a little bit of a corner um, in my ultra running career, maybe getting some more experience, maybe getting my body used to this kind of thing, uh, which has been a very long-term goal of mine. I've wanted to push myself and get to a point to where I can sustain running ultra marathons decently regularly. I don't like a lot of downtime. I don't like having to rebuild every time uh, that I undergo one of these races or take on one of these great big challenges. So getting to that point and feeling like I do currently after this race is really a breath of fresh air for me. So uh, like I said, 24 hours later, I feel good. I'm a little bit sore, especially the ankle, the hips, uh, the legs in general, kind of a full body soreness from some of the other things I did. Um, weightlifting wise and extracurricular activity, uh, with softball and stuff like that, um, around this race. But all in all, I feel pretty solid guys. Lastly, what's next in line for me? Um, I just want to give you all an update. We've talked about a lot of big goals that we've accomplished lately. So I know whenever we accomplish things, it's easy to kind of get in a relaxed mode, um, kind of slow down just a little bit as you re-engage and, and refocus on what your next goal is. And we're going to do some of that. We've got some vacation schedule. we got some time off, um, some time to enjoy just being away for a little while. But shortly after that, guys, um, in about a month, I'll be going out to Cocodona. Um, that's a race in Arizona, 250-mile race. Not competing. I am pacing a gentleman out there that we 
um, have met and been talking to and, and become pretty good friends with uh, over social media. So really looking forward to getting out there and helping him pace. I've got a leadership event that I have to go to for work. Um, and immediately after that, I'll be hopping on a plane to hopefully go do um, 60 miles and some high elevation or whatever else he needs us to do uh, to try to help out with that race. So really looking forward to pacing at Cocodona here in early May. Then after that, in August, we're looking at the Habanero Relay. We've got the 100-mile relay out there that we'll probably bring a couple of teams to. Just go out there, try to be competitive, and try to have a ton of fun. I ran that 100-miler out there, and it was a booger of a race. It was very tough last year. Um, And I saw all my friends doing the relay and saw how much fun they had. So I think a lot of us are going to get together and take on this relay and really try to enjoy it. And then I'm sure we'll have some other races mixed in there as well and other things. Um to help prepare us for the big goal this year, which is the Katy 225. Uh, that is the 225-mile ultramarathon that I've signed up for in Missouri um, in October. It's going to be a huge one. It's going to be the main focus of all of our training and all the things we're doing this year. Um, but I also want to mix in some other events along the way, and I want to uh, get to work with some of these other individuals that have been awesome and have helped me so much along the way and they're looking to take on some big things as well Uh, one of which being michael ruiz who's taking on his race in december um, going out for the brazos bend 100 uh, running the 100 mile race out there so i'm really looking forward to being involved in that uh, being involved in these relays and being around just some great people who are really dedicated to bettering themselves but guys that's it that's my recap Uh, like i said we'll have some opportunity to sit down with some just very good people and very dedicated and motivational people and inspiring people to uh, be able to talk about what this race meant to them, the different links that we ran, um, how this compared to other things they've done in their life, and just what the process of going through 75 hard and an ultra marathon like this did for them, how it progressed them, how it started moving them in the way they want to go. And guys, I know that I always sign off the show by saying, always be prepared for whatever is next in line. But I do want to, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that though that's words of encouragement, it's also a challenge. And being around this group of people has really gave me perspective on that and reminded me of that, that this is a true challenge. Always be prepared for whatever's next in line. I want you to accept that challenge. I want you to run with it. Just like all these people have accepted taking on 75 hard and taking on these races and not just that other things people have decided to take on starting businesses, deciding to make a change for the better to be who their family needs them to be. There's so many different stories that we could bring on and people we could talk about that have done just that. They stepped up to the challenge. They've tried to be prepared for whatever is next in line for them in their lives. And I want to see each and every one of you do the same. So guys, With all that we've talked about today coming to a conclusion and wrapping up, I want you to truly evaluate what is being said at the end of this podcast. Always be prepared, whatever is next in line.